John 21, verse 11. Simon Peter climbed aboard, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. 153, not a large number of fish. No, 153. Not more fish than that net had ever held. No, 153. Not somewhere around 150 fish. No, 153. Not even more than 150 fish. No, 153. John records the number with no explanation, with no indication, in fact, that there was anything particularly remarkable about the exact, precise number. It was just there. And that was full of fish, 153. John just knew the fact. 153 it was. Now, of course, it's hard to leave a juicy detail like that alone. And so over the centuries, commentators and interpreters have ventured many guesses about the deeper meaning of 153. But John tells us nothing, nothing but the raw number, 153. He was sure of it. It's funny what we remember. November 7th, 1986. Long time ago now, but I still remember it clearly. It was a Friday. And so my wife and I did what we usually did on Friday. We went to a mall and walked around. This time it was Crestwood Plaza, not even yet a mall. We bought what we usually bought, nothing. And on the way back to campus, we went out to eat at one of our favorite places, McDonald's the one on Big Ben, right down there in Maplewood. And then it was back to our luxury apartment on the third floor of Fritz. I remember it perfectly, all the details. It wasn't the meal or the mall or the apartment that made the impression. It was the fact that before 2 o'clock the next morning, I would be holding our firstborn daughter for the first time. It's pretty hard to forget that. The details are all locked into the one memory of the event. The details are not the point. The big deal was that this was the night that Jasmine came. Now I have similar vivid recollections for the arrival of Justine and Jess, but I've only got 10 minutes here, so. I think it was the same for John. John knew it was 153 fish. He couldn't ever forget that detail. In his mind, that detail was forever etched together with what really mattered that morning in Galilee. That morning when the seven disciples, a quorum, hauled in 153 fish all at once that one spring morning by the lake when John had a breakfast that he would never forget. That morning, that morning that Jesus came, how could he forget any detail about that day? 
How many times had John told and retold the story with all the details, 153 fish? How often had he repeated that wonderful tidbit? A whole net full of fish, 153. John just knew it. 153 fish. He knew it. Jesus had come in Galilee, just like he had said he would. What a great story this is. What a gift that John has given us this rich picture of Jesus after the resurrection. Not just a quick visit in a dark, shadowy upper room, but a rendezvous out in the open by the lake on a sunlit morning. All right, John didn't say that, but it fits. Here we see Jesus out in the open doing Jesus stuff. Hey, guys, he calls over the water. You don't have any fish, do you? No. It's been one of those nights. Try the other side of the boat. Bam! Instant catch. 153. Bam! Instant recognition. It is the Lord. Of course it was. Only Jesus could do Jesus stuff like this. And then Peter, who seemed to have a thing for going over the side of the boat to be with Jesus, is at it again, this time soaking himself intentionally, so eager he was to be where Jesus was. And then the breakfast, and the conversation, and the careful count, and the sheer wonder and joy of it all. 153, Jesus is here. What a great breakfast. Jesus was alive. He was here. He was with them, and he had tossed in 153 fish just for the simple delight of it. John knew it. All the disciples, all seven of them, knew it. And no one dared to ruin this reunion by asking the obvious stupid question just to make sure, hey, um, Jesus, right? No, they all knew it because it was exactly what Jesus had promised Remember, Mark records it. It was during that last supper, just a few weeks ahead. Jesus had promised it, but after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And so John gives us the fulfillment. Jesus keeping his word, of course. Jesus supplying what was needed, of course. Jesus doling out grace. The net full of fat fish. Indeed, it was. And Jesus on the shore, indeed, it was him. John knew what he knew. He knew that he and the other six disciples had spent a long, boring, fruitless, frustrating night on the lake, casting, pulling up nothing. Casting, pulling up nothing. Rowing some more, casting, pulling up nothing. Rowing, casting, pulling up nothing. No years of experience, no good intentions, no sincere effort, no positive thinking, no optimistic vision casting, no effort made any difference. It had been a pathetic, wasted night. Bust. Total loss. 
Jesus came and changed it all. Just like that. Just by saying the word. Just by being there for them. Everything had changed. John knew it. Whether it is the intended lesson, I'm not sure. But it is an accurate and appropriate lesson nonetheless. It's good to remember that not every sincere effort is bound to yield a rich harvest. Not every honest exertion is going to produce a heartening outcome. Sometimes even doing the right vocation, even doing it eagerly, even doing what you're supposed to be doing, zealously doing whatever your hand finds to do, sometimes even then it results in nothing but empty nets, nothing but futility. The seven disciples were plugging away faithfully, doing their vocation, making good use of the time. They weren't lazy and idle waiting for some Holy Spirit to come or for Jesus to show up again. They were busy doing their vocation. And for their valiant efforts and their exemplary commitments, nothing. Not every every faithful act is always rewarded. Not every faithful servant is blessed with the harvest Indeed, doing one's vocation with sincerity and zeal is no guarantee that a stunningly successful outcome will always result. You know that it's true. Not every all-nighter results in an A. Not every investment in research yields the new insights. Not every honest and heartfelt resolution to make your marriage better ends with an ecstatic, delirious spouse Not every effort at excellent parenting can guarantee the perfect kid. And not every carefully prepared sermon brings the sinner to repentance or the despairing to peace. Not every ambitiously but realistically calculated strategic goal offers the desired fruit of increased numbers. Hard work, unmet expectations, or worse... Persistently and patiently doing your vocation is no promise that your net will be full. And maybe, maybe that's the deeper complaint of that song, Eleanor Rigby. Eleanor works for nothing and dies in futility. No one even bothers to come to her funeral. But the final outcome for Father Mackenzie is even worse. Wiping the dirt from his hands as he walks from the grave, no one was saved. Wasted effort fruitless investments, empty outcomes, futility. Let's be straight about it. If ever there was a vocation ripe for the agony of futility, it is the office of the ministry. Not every faithful, God-pleasing, hard-working pastor enjoys the fruit of full nets and record harvests. Sometimes the nets keep coming up empty. Or worse, they keep pulling up rotten, disgusting results. You know it's true. And if you don't, you will. You also know, you know that Jesus is there on the shore, at the fonts, at the altar, just where he promised to be. Waiting with breakfast on the grill, ready to go. Waiting to supply what you most need waiting to give you grace. That's always guaranteed. You know it. Jesus 
proved it. He has grace to redeem and restore you. He even has grace to redeem and restore your work, your vocation. John's delightful account is the narrated version of St. Paul's compact prose. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And both John and Paul deliver their promise and their exhortation of labor's redemption after they have declared the fact of the resurrection. So maybe, maybe the resurrection really is supposed to be relevant, even for daily life, here and now. It's called Day Eve, but you know that. That's why you're here. One last fervent prayer for divine mercy. In a few hours, in a few hours, the anticipation will finally end. Questions will all be answered. No more speculation. Tomorrow, you will know what lies ahead. But like Christmas morning, the fulfillment does not always measure up to the hopes and the dreams. Reality is seldom able to match our fantasies. Sometimes it's better to fantasize. Instead of ideal placements in ideal congregations, in ideal places with ideal incomes, you will be given one reality. No more options, no more possibilities, no more maybes. Just one reality with your name attached. Real people, real problems, real effort to do your vocation, real results. Empty nets? Maybe. Futility? Probably. Sometimes. But it won't matter. 153 fish or zero fish, you will always know what matters. You will know where to find Jesus. He'll be there on the shore, right where he's promised to be, ready to give you all that you need, ready to redeem you, ready to redeem your work in Christ. There is no futility. He's promised it. You know it. Amen.